Welcome to the Research Works podcast. My name is Dr. Dana Poole and I get the privilege of bringing to you a very special series this week. I am here in Slovenia at the European Academy of Childhood Disability interviewing the researchers and presenters about their work. This is very exciting and I can't wait for you to delve into this whole research conference series. We hope you enjoy the series. All right, welcome back to another lovely episode from our series Research Works at EACD Slovenia 2023. And we now have another wonderful guest. I feel like it's really funny when I speak with Australians all the way in Slovenia, but it's actually lovely to connect in person. So welcome Associate Professor Leanne Johnston from the University of Queensland. Thank you and welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's so, so lovely to be able to connect. And uh, the, the power of conferences means that we can always actually see each other in person. I feel like I've read your work so much. I know the name so well now. <laughs> so to be able to talk to you is wonderful. And your team is very well represented here in Slovenia. But I want to talk to you specifically about the um, and a particular presentation that you had. And the title for that is Effectiveness of School-Based Physiotherapy Intervention for Children, a Systematic Review. Uh, this draws me in so much because of, I mean, I'm a physiotherapist and, you know, school-based interventions is such a big thing for a lot of practitioners. Mm. What led you to come to this place to, to, to look at this as a systematic review? Like, why was it important? Mm. Well, thank you. And first of all, I'd like to acknowledge my co-authors, Kate Alexander and Georgina Clark. Buck from Wonderful. the University of Queensland who have done an incredible amount of work on this project as well. Mm. Um, so I guess we have always seen that one of the most important places that children spend their time is at school. Yep. And we do see that physio as well as other professions are importantly trying to deliver therapy for kids in schools. Mm. But one of the challenges is that they're often trying to rely on evidence that has been developed either in a health setting or in a community setting or in a private practice setting. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily reflect what the school day is like or the time that a physio might have with a child at yeah. school or what they're permitted to do or what they're funded to do. Yeah. So we really wanted to see what had been done in the research literature yeah. around that specific school setting, mm. what types of things could physios provide, what types of outcomes were they seeing, and what types of things we'd like to recommend going forward for intervention more yeah. broadly. That's great. I mean, and you made the point earlier with with the co-authors in this too, a systematic review is a big piece of work. <laughs> they always are, aren't they? <laughs> um, but it means that, you know, you, you scoured through the literature to look at the highest level of evidence. So tell us a little bit more about what was included in this particular mm, systematic review. Mm. Well, we've certainly seen in paediatric rehabilitation a large number of reviews that have looked at interventions generally. Mm. Um, so those are already available, but there wasn't anything specific just for school settings. Yeah. So what we were looking for is papers that included children receiving physio at school, so on, okay. on a school campus. Yep. So that could be in a mainstream school or a special school. It yeah. could be in a preschool or a kindergarten or a special education development unit, so a okay. kind of special preschool, yeah, if you like. Great. Um, and they needed to be receiving a physiotherapy intervention yep. or an intervention overseen by a physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. And we were also looking for for physio-specific outcome measures and trying to then map those across the ICF. Oh, wow. Um, and in terms of the population, you, you've got 
what sort of you've, you've said children to this what age group or was there any diagnosis associated with this mm. so there was a range of different diagnostic groups mm-hmm. that we found mm-hmm. um, the most um, the highest number of studies were involving children with cerebral palsy okay and or mixed groups of children. Okay. So yep. lots of different diagnoses in the same study. Yeah. And I think that probably reflects, you know, cerebral palsy being one of the bigger yeah. groups, True. but also yeah. the diversity of children that physios are working with in schools that yeah. they might not have large groups of children with one diagnosis. Yeah. They're often working with children with a whole range of diagnoses. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's a lot of factors there, Leanne, as you're yeah. talking about it. In my head, I'm really thinking of all the different variables that you would have had to consider through all of this Mm. Um, in terms of your outcomes so I'm really interested in what kind of outcomes Mm. you found through the systematic Mm. review so there were outcomes across the ICF Mm -hmm. although in the published literature Mm -hmm. um, quite a lot of those outcomes are at the activity level but some of the more recent papers are starting to look at the participation level as well but a lot of great outcomes so depending on the type of intervention a lot of improvement in um, gait so the ability to move around the school to walk for longer distances, to transfer in and out of different positions, um, to maintain your balance. So that's obviously very important in the school setting. There were some very good outcomes in terms of hand function, so handwriting, manual dexterity, the ability to use your hands in the school setting, um, also things related to sort of fitness and other outcomes. Wow. Mm. So you... I mean, I guess it does highlight the value of being able to provide interventions in that school Mm. setting. Were there any outcomes that came about that you weren't expecting? Was there anything that surprised you or was it pretty much as you thought? Well, some of the studies actually had looked at other related outcomes such as reading and writing. Oh, Um, wow. So they did find in some studies that children did improve their reading speed or their writing speed. So potentially there's some extra surprising outcomes, but I think it probably probably does show how, you know, postural control and the ability to move your body and to have endurance physically throughout the day can contribute to some of those learning outcomes as well. Well, that is definitely a surprise. Mm. I I wouldn't have seen that one coming. Mm. (laughs) What about the the dosage of interventions? Was there anything there that you guys found that Mm. described how Mm. often these children Mm. have been seen? Yes, that varied really widely. So from a single session of intervention that Uh might have only been 45 minutes to an hour right through to very complex um, class-based interventions that went for hundreds of hours throughout a year. So it did depend a little bit on the type of intervention that was provided, whether or not that was a group-based intervention like an intervention program or a a tailored intervention for an individual child. Okay. and really the school setting and how much time the physio had to deliver care okay. um, in the school setting. Okay. So a wide, a wide variety. Yeah. But I think it would be very useful for more studies to be done to sure. look particularly at dose. Yeah. We certainly yep. did see that the studies that had slightly higher dose mm-hmm. were tending to be more effective. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, given our sort of funding structures, I know it's, it's different all around the world, but they tend to be activity-based funding, doesn't it? Like in terms of how many hours you provide. So I think that becomes really relevant. But were they, apart from just to hours, were there any other sort of, I guess, using the word key ingredients? I feel like I've used that a lot lately, but were there any key ingredients that optimised outcomes? Were there any common threads? Mm. 
definitely studies where they had looked at specific goals for the children in okay. terms of function yeah. um, and then re-evaluating those goals mm-hmm. to see that the child had improved on the specific aspect of school involvement sure. that was the problem for them. So whether it was moving around in the classroom or getting from A to B or, yeah. you know, sitting long enough to do an activity or using their hands yeah. in an educational activity. Yeah. So I think that would be the key. Okay. Um, setting goals with the children, having yeah. the children involved, having the teachers involved yeah. and really targeting that intervention to what yeah. it is that the child needs to do to participate at school. That's wonderful. And so because being goal-directed and we hear that more and more now, it, it's it's a, such a key tenant of how we can provide our interventions. But because it's goal-directed based on what the child is wanting, would you say that it doesn't particularly matter what the diagnosis is because it's more goal-directed? Do you find anything different for different kinds of mm, uh, groups mm, of children? Mm. I think that's a good question and it does depend a little bit on the intervention. Mm. So some interventions are more prescribed mm-hmm. and some are more tailored to the okay. child. So I think using clinical reasoning and what's yeah. in the, the clinician toolkit to look at the goal that the child has, the challenges that they might have with yeah. their function and integration into the classroom and then devising a strategy that works effectively for them sure. in that setting sure. is, is the best way and to consider you know the multimodal approach as well so Mm -hmm. there might be some motor related intervention but that might also be equipment that's needed um, or education of the teacher um, involvement of the family too so I think it does probably reflect natural practice Mm -hmm. and and what clinicians Mm -hmm. are doing yeah so what would your advice be for clinicians if they're looking at you know talking to families and children about where they can best provide interventions. There's so many different avenues, which is great. We've got choice. But what would your advice be for clinicians when they're sort of discerning which context and environment to be able to provide interventions for their children? Mm-hmm. Well, we did see that the outcome, the interventions that had the best outcomes in the school setting were very similar to the interventions that have the best outcomes outside of the school setting ah, as well. Okay. So there is an ability to look at some of that other literature from health and community okay. um, sectors. Yep. However, the implementation piece, how it can actually be integrated into the school day Mm -hmm. is a part that further research needs to be done on. And I guess that's the key element for the clinician, isn't it? To then have a think about what we might have evidence for, but then negotiating with school staff around how could this fit into the child's everyday in the school setting that doesn't mean that they're being withdrawn from any of the learning opportunities. Yeah, and that's always the balance, isn't it? You know, whether children go into a more medical health setting, they're still missing out on school. Um, but a therapist mm. going out to the school is actually tailoring the right time. So they're still not being yes. pulled out of school that's integrated into that's it. That's right. Yeah. And I think there's some also some lovely work looking at, um, you know, not just involving the child who has the disability, particularly in a mainstream yes. setting, but, you know, providing intervention in a way that's beneficial for the whole class. True. Yeah. 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 No, that's wonderful. Leanne, you just gave such a wonderful description of, of what it is that you did, which is no easy thing for what I imagine with the amount of data that you guys actually got from that. For a final thought now for clinicians, what will be your main take home that you really want them to be able to, to, be able to grasp and, and move forward to implement to their practice? Mm. 
Well, I think the evidence was overwhelmingly in favour of the benefit of physio in schools. Wonderful. And we certainly know that teachers and families and kids value physio mm. being delivered in schools. So I would say be brave and have a go at doing some research <laughs> to try and yeah. provide that evidence that yeah. backs up all of the wonderful everyday interventions mm. that physios are providing. It'd mm. be great to see more of it in the literature. Oh, that's great. I think that's a call to arms and very inspiring. So thank you so much once again for talking about your work today and helping us to spread the word about what the evidence is saying for our children um, and for everyone who's listening. So I'll pop links of this for you as well so you can keep listening. I hope you enjoy the series. So we'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye. Bye.